Well, welcome to the Argus Hydrogen and Future Fuels podcast. COP27 is underway, and maturing the hydrogen economy is a priority there. With that in mind, I'm joined today by Timo Balahe, Managing Director of H2 Global. Timo, welcome. Can you give our listeners a, a 20-second elevator explanation or pitch uh, of what H2 Global is? Sure, Tim, yes. Pleasure to do so. H2 Global is a, would say, an innovative market ramp-up instrument that we're just setting up here in Europe, in Germany. And it tries to, to overcome that chicken and egg situation that we have at the current uh, situation in the, in the hydrogen economy. Mm-hmm. We try to provide today an investment case on the production and offtake side of green hydrogen and hydrogen derivatives by providing price security, market security, and also regulatory legal security over a significant time span so that investors can start investing today so that we get from the MOUs that are being signed sort of every day to FID, mm-hmm. to financial to financial close, actually. Yes. So anything that helps to move things along from uh, drawing board to final investment decision phase is absolutely to be applauded. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the structure of H2 Global? Is it is it public? Is it private? Is it for-profit, non-profit? Well, it's it's a little bit of everything. When we started H2 Global, the, the first idea that I had, I thought when I designed Hintco, I thought this should be a public state-owned entity. But the German government two and a half years ago, two years ago when we approached them, made it very clear that they want the private sector to implement this. They, the government is only providing the, the funds for the CFD scheme, but it should be a privately led initiative and also implemented initiative. Mm. And that's why we created the non-for-profit H2 Global Foundation, which is by now over 50 industry 50 50 companies from from all over europe and also globally now joining from from the us from canada from south africa from australia joining that foundation and below the foundation as a 100% daughter company is hinco which is sort of the implementing uh, company that is really conducting the the actual trades and the actual trading mm. and so it's an intermediary hinco and that concludes long term purchase agreements from suppliers um, and short-term purchase agreements uh, to the sell side. Uh, how, how long-term are the offtakes that it's getting involved with? Exactly. The offtakes on the supply side are, as I said, 10 years. Mm. Um, so it's it's a long-term offtake. It's it's not equivalent to, for example, the PPAs that we see in the in the wind or in the, in the power sector, but it at least sort of gives the the, the right amount of security for a 10-year period to to start investing and create an investment case around it. On the sales side of Finca, as I said, it's shorter tenant. It's one-year uh, tenants that we have here because we also want to create pricing signals uh, and creating liquidity on the on the, in the hydrogen market also in Europe. I wanted to ask for the um, for the offtakes. So those are structured around a one-year um, uh, tenor. Does that mean that you're going to be concluding 12 auctions a year, essentially, or do you expect more frequency? Well, that depends, but I would assume we were going to have, you know, we're going to have one auction per year, actually, on the sales side. Mm. Uh, so we have one one auction on the purchase side, obviously, once off for the 10-year tenor, and then every year, one auction, or maybe even shorter tenor, uh, that needs to be uh, yet decided 
whether we're going to to look forward more, maybe also to trade on the spot market if, the, if any spot market should be should be available in the future on hydrogen and its derivatives. Um, but that that needs to be seen. But it's at the moment we're working with a one-year turnaround the sales. Understood. And have you seen uh, appetite um, for even shorter tenors for the, for those spot markets that you uh, describe? Are, are are your members uh, raising interests around that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have to to see that the current, let's say, design of the auctions might not be suitable for every off-taker. If I look at, for example, at the the steel industry, mm. they need to to you know secure also long take off-take agreements, ten year, fifteen year tenors to to start you know that large scale investments yep. into going into into uh, uh, into investments into into the steel mills. But this is sort of supplement to those bigger point-to-point -point contracts that will maybe also develop or hopefully will develop beyond the age to go. But what we're trying to address here is more also the, the, the medium-sized companies that need to get access to, to hydrogen and hydrogen derivatives to allow more liquidity to, to be created. We also want to work very closely together with exchanges like EX and Leipzig or other exchanges in, in, in Holland, for example, where hopefully in the future INCO can participate as a trader on those platforms because we don't want to be a platform ourselves. We really want to support the creation of platforms by implementing mm -hmm. that, that subsidy scheme or that, that market ramp-up scheme here. Interesting. So... When you talk about the smaller sized companies uh, or the medium sized companies, uh, what sort of volumes are you expecting to secure to offer? It's a very good question because what we're doing at the moment, we received for the first round of auctions 900 million euros for three derivatives of hydrogen. In this case, it's green ammonia, green methanol, and sustainable aviation fuel. Mm. So it's approximately 300 million for each of those products that Intego is going to purchase in the first round of auctions. So if you divide that 900 million by three products and 10 years, you will see it's around 30 million that we have sort of available for each year. And Intego is also capped in the volume of the products that it can purchase because we need Intego to be 100% bankable. And since Intego has got no real balance sheet. It's the balance sheet of Inco is more or less the subsidy ledger from Berlin. Those nine hundred billion. So we need to ensure that whatever that independently of the of the income that Inco can create through the sales of those products, it's always, you know, liquid and is able to, to honor its obligations under its purchase schemes. So we do that by being sort of capped with the 900 million on the overall volume on the, on the, on the, on the purchase side. That means we're not tendering actually a price here, but we're really tendering volume. We're saying we want to purchase for 300 million over that 10 year tenor. Whoever is available is able to provide the largest amount of molecules, the largest volume for that money. That is sort of the, the best bid that will get the strike. Understood. That's really useful as well, breaking it down. Uh, the 900 million is a, is, a, is a huge amount of funding, but then obviously that's getting divvied up between three products, ammonia, methanol, and SAF, so 300 million each, and then over the 10-year period to the 30 million euros per year. 
one question I had for you was, has there been any change to the amount of um, government funding uh, from the German government to underpin this mechanism? Is that something that's being considered? Absolutely. That's why also just half an hour ago, I listened to our chancellor at the COP27, where he just announced that Germany will provide 4 billion euros for the H global mechanism. We know already that another 3.6 billion are being foreseen for the budget 2023 uh, to start additional auctions, additional uh, purchase rounds of HINTGO. So we see more things happening. We're also in discussions with other ministries in Germany. And uh, we're also very happy that recently there was the announcement Netherlands wants to, to join H2 Global, providing funding for their own, they call it the funding windows, for an own funding window. There are also discussions with other countries like uh, Australia, like uh, the Emirates. And obviously there's big discussions at the moment at what is happening in Brussels, also with the developments regarding the Budgetary bank that this funder line has announced a couple of weeks ago, September months just recently also publicly said that he would like to see H2 Global to become sort of a part of that hydrogen bank implementing schemes under, under the European hydrogen bank. So lots of things are happening. So we got lots of, let's say assumptions that the first 900 million are just the first step. If it remains with the 900 million, it was a nice try, but it looks like we, we're getting more funds. And it's also like a learning instrument. We'll make mistakes with the first 900 million. This is the first of its kind of, of long-time offtake agreements under such kind of a subsidy scheme that is being done mm. worldwide at the moment. So it's, it's a learning curve that we're also setting up here. And hopefully next year we will already be a little bit smarter than we are today. You start the next auctions. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot in what you just said there. Uh, congratulations on the additional funding. Um, you also mentioned um, the, the Netherlands in there, and, and it's one thing I wanted to quickly um, touch in with you. This isn't, um, it's obviously funded by the German government, but this is not um, solely for German companies. Um, any country within the EU can actually step in and take uh, an order via the platform. Is that correct? Exactly. It's, it's definitely, it's not a German instrument. It started in Germany and uh, the foundation started also, I think, I believe it was, there were 16 funding members or donors, I would say, to the, mm. the HG Globe, to the foundation. By now we have 51 growing more or less on, on a weekly basis. And we're more and more European and international by now German. And the offtake of the products that Hintco purchases, the offtaker can be any European offtaker. So there is no exclusivity to, to German offtakers. And, uh, yeah, so it, it already is a European instrument, if you want to say so. Yeah. And, and the limitation there is on the discharge capabilities of the ports or are there defined, um, discharge ports? Well, also the, when the, 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 program was notified the EU state law in Brussels it was also agreed that there will be a delivery triangle between say the northern part of Germany down to the Belgian coast so Germany, Netherlands and Belgium uh, there, there will be a delivery triangle find where those products need to be delivered towards so um, it's also the, the del- point of delivery it, uh, uh, 
delivery is not necessarily only Germany. It can also be Belgium or Netherlands. I want to touch on something else that you mentioned there as well. You mentioned uh, the interest from the Emirates and elsewhere. Is there the possibility um, of uh, expansion of this over time um, or only on the supply side? No, exactly. We, we always refer to H2 Global as a, it's, it's like a modular system that we're setting up. We call it the window logic. That first window now is the 900 million provided by the German Ministry for Economy and Climate, BMWK. And it's always also the provider of the funds, in this case BMWK, that decides exactly how these funds are being utilized by products, in this case ammonia, ethanol and stuff. Um, but for future windows, it can be different products and also different attributes. Um, you know, what are the sustainability attributes that are being applied to the products? This can always be defined by the provider of funds and not by HD Global or Hintco. Now, we can add this with additional windows. For example, we could set up regional windows. Could be a window for specific region like Africa or Latin America, where you can maybe say, okay, don't want, we want to, to diversify away from existing supply chains, energy supplies chains. And we can also set up, you know, bilateral windows with specific countries like the UAE or, um, or Australia. We just, you know, check this also whether it's in line with WTO and GUT mm. requirements. And that, that seems to be the case. So that is what we what we're working on. You can also use H Global is always being referred to as the import instrument, the European import instrument, but the mechanism works exactly the same also for a production within Europe and offtake within Europe. Could even do it within one country, I don't know. Production in northern Germany, offtake in southern Germany. Yeah. Or yeah, but it's that the mechanism always remains the same. Yep. So Hinco steps in to fulfill the gap between the lowest offer uh, and the highest bid. What if there is no gap? At that point, Hinco just steps back? Well, then the government is happy because then Hinco <laughs> doesn't need to draw on any of the subsidies and um, we're, we're saving taxpayers' money. So at the moment, you're looking to offer uh, electrolytic uh, ammonia, methanol uh, and sustainable aviation fuel across the platform. And I understand that that's primarily because pipelines aren't yet ready. Um, do you intend to offer hydrogen embedded in liquid organic hydrogen carriers, such as Tulene, in the future as well? Is, is that something that you're mulling and considering at the moment? Well, as I said, it's, it's, it's not on us to consider that. It's on, on, the, on the provider of the funds. For example, if another ministry or BWK or European Commission decides to look into LOHC, for example, um, that could be, that could be uh, implemented into, into one of the future trading schemes, absolutely. Yep. And another thing is that, uh, obviously I said it was, it's electrolytic uh, versions uh, of hydrogen derivatives that you're looking towards. Is there scope uh, for including decarbonized so-called blue hydrogen products on the platform, or do you feel that would detract from priming the pump for green hydrogen? That is obviously a very political debate that we're seeing at the moment. The platform itself is agnostic. From the, other, the purpose of the foundation is to support, you know, to combat climate change. And 
look into sustainable and non-fossil based, say non-fossil, but, but decarbonization of mm. the economy. And um, in theory, yes, it could be used as blue for, for blue hydrogen as well, but it's always, as I said, the provider of the funds that defines the color coding and the, the attributes of the product. Understood. And it wasn't a gotcha question. I, I noticed you trod very carefully no, around that one. No, it's just, it's a very, it's thin eyes, said because, you know, it's, um, we, we, we're not in that political debate. I mean, the idea of Edge Global is really to support the, the market ramp up for hydrogen. Um, yes. And there's lots of debate about the color coding or shades of green or whatever. And the mm. approach, if you look at the US, they don't look at colors. They simply look at the CO2 footprint. Um, so there are different ways of looking at things. We try to, to keep out of that political debate. What we can offer as an instrument to implement a, a market ramp up. And it's not on us to decide what, what color coding should be put behind. Makes perfect sense. For, for, let's say, a decarbonization of the, of the economy. And that is what we're No gray goods. Um, so you, you touched on carbon intensity there, and it's a, it's a common thread at the moment that companies are calling out for clarity and definition, whether that's for hydrogen carbon intensity, uh, the renewable energies directive two, etc. Is, is H2 Global any different in that regard? Um, will classification delays hold you up from offering cargoes over your platform? Not really, because that's one of the three, let's say, aims of H2 Global, as I said, providing price security, market security, and legal security. That's the last point is exactly there. We, we're in a vacuum at the moment. Um, nobody really knows what the legal, the regulatory requirements will look like in the, not even in the near future, not to say anything about the distance future. Yeah. That is where, where H2 Global comes in because we are defining now attribute we're going to purchase those products for that 10-year period, irrespectively of what is happening uh, on the on the regulatory side. Obviously, it's Hinko's aim and our aim to purchase a product that we is, is defined as green now and will hopefully also be defined as green, I don't know, five years, seven years down the line, because only in that case, Hinko's able to achieve a green premium when it sells those products into the market. But it's the risk of Hintke, and in this case, the risk, you know, of the, of the German government that we're taking, that in case that we're not in line with future legislations and regulatory environments, that Hintke will not be able to achieve that green premium when it sells those products into the European market. Mm. That risk is being absorbed by Hintke and doesn't have to be absorbed by the off-taker or by the supplier. Yep. So w when are you expecting to begin offering cargoes? And you may have said it, and I perhaps didn't hear it. Is it, is it um, 2023? Well, we are. That's what also Chancellor uh, Schultz just, just announced it. Got half an hour ago, an hour ago now, mm -hmm. is that we just received the final green light by the German government um, on some of the of the signals and changes that were made. So we are about to start within the next days or weeks, really right after COP. And um, the funds for those 900 billion are being 
are being made available between 2024 to 2033. So first delivery could take place as early as 24. That's yep. pretty ambitious. Let's, let's be, be clear about that. So I would assume first real delivery is around 25 under. Just. Yes. And, and, and am I right in thinking that your funds actually have to be used by 2033? Is, is that target or has that, sorry, has that used by expiry date been moved out, uh, as other elements of your funding have, have been shifted? No. So the, the funds, there's a ramp up period between 24 and 26 mm. in the, in the funds that, that have been made available. And, but there's a clear sort of end of the subsidy scheme at 2033 under this funding window. How many companies are now signed up to use the platform? Well, we, as I said, we, we are um, about to announce now the start that we're gonna, where we're going to invite in, interested parties, consortium companies um, to, um, to participate in the tender. It's going to be a, a two-stage tender. We're going to have a sort of a qualification tender first and um, there we're not looking at projects itself, but really just on the level of the companies or the consortiums that will participate in that in that process, whether they are sort of eligible to be invited for uh, to to really enter into the actual tender process, which will then happen with a much smaller group. I would assume that this will be announced officially once we start anything between five, five to seven companies or consortiums that will participate under each of the tenders for each of the and, and just for our listeners, are you seeing balanced interest across the supply chain uh, from intermediaries, from uh, from consumers, from producers, or are you being mobbed by consumers? Is, is there any particular element that stands out as being particularly interested in using the platform? Well, at the moment, since we're starting now with the supply chain, uh, with, the, with the supply side, obviously there's huge interest at this point in time from the from the production side. But however, the design of Hinco is also a little bit different to, to any other of the traders. I always refer to Hinco as being the most stupid company in, in Europe at this point in time because Hinco is, first of all, buying expensive, selling cheap, being immediately bankrupt. If it wouldn't have the, the supply or the support of from Berlin with the 900 million. And on top, Hinka is not aiming to become any kind of a midstreamer. Really wants to get rid of itself after the, the subsidy scheme has ended. There are quite some diversity of funding schemes out there. The UK is, is uh, pursuing a, a CFD contracts for different scheme. Um, the US obviously has the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and its production tax credits. And then you have a different mechanism. Is such a variety of um, subsidy formats ultimately helpful, um, or confusing, or does it allow people to be able to pick and choose what's most suitable for them? Well, I'm always a friend of not being, let's say, let, let's not have a, have a jungle of different instruments out there, but let's also not put all bags and eggs in one basket. You um, you mentioned the European Hydrogen Bank earlier, um, and there's a lot of interest around that. There's not a lot of definition around it at the moment. Is your take that it would be complementary or competitive to what you're trying to achieve, um, and do you, do you see scope for collaboration with them? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the, in the German coalition agreement, it's already been outlined that H Global should be Europeanized. Um, and also in the discussions that we had with the, with the EU Commission, uh, in the last couple of weeks, there's been huge interest by the Commission in utilizing H2 Global as an instrument, also as it is. I mean, there are different ways of, of, of looking at how this could be, could be then in practice being implemented. But you always have to keep in mind, I think time is a very important factor here. Mm. Europe needs the quick answer. I mean, the IRA in the US, you just mentioned earlier, that thing is a game changer. I mean, the US, they came late, but they came big. Um, this is really a significant change of players now in the global market. So far, sort of also the, the spotlight, technological spotlight also on the hydrogen development and economy and technology was Europe. Germany also right in the forefront. Mm-hmm. There's a huge risk that this will shift now towards the U.S. Because at the moment, the U.S. has the situation, you can achieve up to $3 per kilogram hydrogen as tax reductions. And you can combine that with a one, with up to $1, I think 38 or 48, um, for the re, uh, production of renewables. So in a combination, you have up to nearly $4.5 tax reduction, reduction on per kilogram hydrogen. And with that, you're in the money today. And yeah. That is, and really, that's a game changer. And Europe needs answers for that. We need them quick. And to develop such kind of schemes like H Global, I mean, we've, we've been working off the last two years with really dozens of lawyers, dozens of, of experts to, to bring H Global to, to, to where we are now to the implementation stage. Um, the, the mechanism is quite simple, but if you go into the detail, it's it's getting always complicated. Yeah. And we don't have another two, three years on a European to, level to develop completely new instruments. So why not utilize what we have here? And as I said, H Global from the beginning was meant to be a European instrument, and we can Europeanize it quite easily by setting up European for the production within Europe, offtake within Europe, but also for the so there are lots of ways of, of, of jumping on this. Yeah, it's not a German instrument. It's really already been seen as a, as a European instrument right from the beginning and also the German government. Yeah. Like to, to see it as a. Yep. And I think, well, just before we started recording, we were just saying that it seemed a bit fractious this year, the, uh, the COP27, um, uh, meeting. Um, <laughs> I think another thing that's becoming increasingly fractious is that within people involved in the hydrogen economy, there is growing frustration uh, at the lack of clarity, um, which is sorely needed at this point um, around definitions, um, certifications, these kinds of things. And, and you mentioned it was very powerful, the US IRA Act. For me, a lot of the power was the clarity that it um, delivered to the market. And that, that was a siren call um, for a lot of people. We have been through um, 30 minutes really, really quickly here. Um, it doesn't feel like it. I'll, I'll have to ask, um, obviously, you've had some big announcements at COP27 today. Do you have any particular um, wish that you'd like to see coming out of um, this iteration of COP, which is, it's a pivotal one. Um, you know, we're almost at th- number 30 of them. Um, it's increasingly important um, that we see some some 
consensus mandates coming out from this. Do you have any particular wish to, um, for something coming out of this conference? Well, I can, well, my wish would really be that we use this energy crisis that we have today as it is as an amplifier, as a multiplicator for, for our efforts. Energy transition. I mean, you can, you can either get headwind or you get backwind from it. It really depends how you, how you see things. And mm. I would really love to see that, you know, we, we use that energy crisis, also use hydrogen. I mean, lots of potential for emerging markets. The, the global south, they got it absolutely right when, in my point of view, when they said, listen, guys, we need, we need solutions. And it's, it's not the global south that emitted, emitted all the, the CO2 over the last hundred in the global north and hydrogen is a huge opportunity for the global south to to you know to be part of that new economy that is is, is being created here also the, the new commodity hydrogen and hydrogen derivatives and i think that would be my wish okay well we'll have to wrap there um thank you for joining us today timo uh, and we're certainly looking forward to watching you cycling operations up Argus Hydrogen and Future Fuels will return.